0: I'll be reading from Revelations chapter 2, verse 10. <clears throat> Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everyone. Doug, thank you for that scripture reading, and Marvin, that fine prayer, Lynn, the good singing, and you see why we don't have Costner up here that much, don't you? <laughs> no, that, I, I appreciate your humor, and I certainly appreciate what you said about Nat. Nat does have a uh, wonderful heart, I thought about it today, and great love for these youngsters, and and I appreciate you, Nat, for that. You know, we read that scripture in the of course the. The theme tonight is not about Revelation 2 or anything in Revelation, but you know just in reading that those early first century Christians they were fixing to really face something. They were facing it. They were losing their homes and and they were losing their lives and some of them were tortured. And we know the horror stories of the first century what happened to them. But irregardless, the Lord told them to be faithful and be faithful even to death, even in the face of death, be faithful. And so, you know, this morning we passed out the Bibles to the five uh, young people that graduate this year, and we do that every year, and as a as an elder, uh, Ed and I and, and Jim always write something in the, in the book for them, and it's usually just a little something. And what I try to do is say something personal about you as a girl or boy, something I've observed in you, and I usually end it with Revelation 2.10. Be faithful, be faithful all the days of your life. Because as you well know, that's not always the case, is it? And um, I thank God that so far he's given us time. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And, And he doesn't want to lose anyone. And so if you're like me, you've had those moments in your life, those highs and lows, where you weren't as faithful maybe in, 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 as you ought to be. And that's still the encouragement I have. That you should be faithful, and be faithful all the days of your life. And so with that, I thought about it. I have a sermon tonight. It's it, it's, a, it's in that line. It's in that same line that we that we were talking about this morning. If you will, turn with me to Matthew 25. And there we have a uh, a sermon about... Five wise and five foolish young young virgin women, and we're going to look at that story and uh, talk about it a little bit. I'm going to start off by just reading. It's only 13 verses. Let's read it. And it says, "Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, who took their lamp and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, five of these were wise, and five were foolish." Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us. And you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour, in which the Son of Man is coming. Well, that was a, that's an interesting story. I, I think about too when Jesus talks about these parables. We've said this many times. A parable is something that's very uh, relatable on this earth, very everyday, mundane. But yet, you take that life experience that everyone's aware of and use it for a, uh, from a from uh, a heavenly or our spiritual application, and that's what he's done. I, I think about this when he's teaching, though, about those that—if you would have literally been there—you know—he's talking about something that you would have used and and seen every day, and then p- connecting the dots. Sometimes I'm afraid that some of these stories, though old, we may not relate to them as well as we should. But that's a story that certainly that they could uh, that they could relate to there. Well, there's some analogies that are made there. The kingdom of heaven is like Now, most of, the, most of these parables about the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that was uh, uh, a merchant of great pearls. And when he finds this great pearl, he sells all he has to obtain it. And then there's the parable of the, the man that was buying land. And then he, he discovered in that land a great treasure. And so he went and sold all he could to obtain it. Well, this isn't about obtaining the kingdom of God. This is a little different twist on a parable. These are people that are in the kingdom of God. And what he's referring to here is the end. The parable, the uh, the kingdom of heaven is likened to these virgins. He's talking about the second coming. He's talking about the end of the age, the end of our days, and what it's going to be like then. And so this is a little different take on most of the parables about the kingdom of heaven. This is about judgment day. And as we... Look at these verses, I just kinda of wanna go since they're just short, I wanna go kinda of verse by verse and look at the meaning and try to relate it to our young people and to ourselves about being faithful. How long? To the end of our lives. Because you know, we we we've talked about it before. Close only counts in what? You know, hand grenades and uh and uh, what's the other something? Yeah, horseshoes, horseshoes and hand grenade. But we don't want we don't wanna be close to heaven because if close will not be enough we want to be there we want to be ready we want to be wise about it first one says at this time and that's what we're talking about this is uh some versions say at that time then the kingdom of heaven will be like this is about judgment day this is what it's about and i know that we believe in judgment day or we wouldn't be here today but we have to be faithful to the end and that's something that uh you know i can only imagine how it saddens god and this is an upbeat uh, this doesn't have to be a sad sermon at all, and it's not. It has a victorious sermon. But I just want you, in your mind, to be as we go along here, to be thinking about this. Not only in our young people, but adults too. How many people have you known in your life that were in the kingdom of God only to fall away? And I mean, when I really think about it, it's it, it's a bigger number than I wanna that I wanna wanna admit to. You know, I've known a lot of people that started in this race they really did and i mean they did wonderful wonderful things and those can't be taken away from but they didn't finish their race and i'm not being judgmental their own lives judge them they did not finish the race and i don't know why we could you could preach on and on about the whys but simply they didn't finish the race and we know that disqualifies you in the in the race of running and you don't finish it you're disqualified uh Well, if you, you know, if you're there in verse 25, I mean, chapter 25, and I wish you'd stay there. If you'll just look at some of the, uh, let me turn this page where I have room. I want to look back. Mine is on this side of the page so I can look at 24 as well. And we're going to refer to a few things in chapter 24. He's already talked about this time and it's the time of the end uh, on earth. And he tells us what's going to happen. And if we look back in, in chapter 24, verse 36, it says, but that day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And I think the reason Jesus states these things is this. If we were looking for some calamity, some great sign in the in in the skies and we all understood when you see that oh it's it, you know you've got you got 48 hours when you see that or you got 1 year after you see that sign people would rely on that wouldn't they they really would they would bank on that am you know it's, it's like a lot of us we don't pay our income tax till when? april 15th you know is that day gets close then we're going to do it but otherwise you know we could we we might pay it earlier or something but we don't we wait till that deadline if people could absolutely know and see the deadline they would wait we procrastinate it's our nature human nature that's scary in a way because it'll be a day like today it'll be a day like yesterday it'll be a day like tomorrow it'll be a normal day and he talks about something very ancient that none of us know anything about he talks about the days of Noah and they were you know we think about that world being wicked and being horrible well our world is wicked and horrible too isn't it? We hear things that I see things on television, I hear things on the news and it grieves me to my soul that we have we've gotten there as a country. We've got we're doing stuff that they did 2000 3000 years ago and it's just and it just really it really is disturbing. But he says the end of time is going to be like in those days, just a normal day and then the end came. And so with that we have to be vigilant always, don't we? Um he says again in verse 39, he gives another example of that. He says, and, uh, no, in verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, you don't know what hour the Lord's coming, but know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you did not expect. Now, I know this, I know for a fact, if I knew at 3 o'clock in the morning my house is going to be broken into, I would be ready, wouldn't you? I'd be fortified, and behind the, I'd have all my stuff I need, or I'd have the police there. I'd be ready. I would not suffer my house to be broken into. And uh, you wouldn't either. None of us in this room would, but you don't know that. He comes like a thief in the night, and he says that's how his coming will be. So be ready always. Well, we said this is a parable about the second coming. And so uh, it's, a par- it's a parable also about the prepared and the unprepared. You know, it, it takes on a little, usually the kingdom of heaven is talking about the church. And in this case, it is talking about church, but it's talking about those within it. And it's also disturbing when I, when I understand that because if I've got this right, These ten virgins were in the kingdom of God. But five of them really weren't, worthy. Could it be possible tonight? Is it possible? Was it possible this morning? Could it be possible tonight that we are in the kingdom of God, but we're really not in the kingdom of God? Is that possible? You know, we may not know until the end like they didn't. They were all in the kingdom at the point of time, but then... uh, then we find that five were, and we'll look at that as we go along. You know, this is a very practical story, very simple in its layout, and I'm going to just keep it that way. Just keep it very simple. It has two categories: the five wise and the five foolish. Let's look at verse two. It says they were that five were were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps, uh, and, and they took no oil with them. You know, uh, I think of some other examples in the Bible about, about foolish men or wise men. Remember the story that we teach our children this, the, 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 the ladies do. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and when the rains came, it, it, it stood up. And then the, there was a man who he built his house upon the sand, and we know that he was foolish, and it, it washed away. And then um, in Luke twelve twenty, we see a, a foolish man he had uh, an abundance the lord had been good and the, or the earth supplied more than more than normal and in seeing that he he said well you know i'll tear these barns down and i'll build up bigger barns and i'll store this this windfall and i'll say to my soul all is well but he mistook his soul for his body you know his body was well he had more food or uh, more uh resources but he, he he got it confused with his soul, and sometimes I wonder if we do that. We we if we're not careful, we can think about this body and our needs, and think all is well with my soul. And it really it's all well with your body, and you haven't uh, done the things for your soul. So a little bit of uh, foolishness there, and those are other examples of foolishness. In chapter th- I mean, in verse three, we see this: that those who were foolish took their lamps. And took no oil with them. Well, that doesn't make much sense, does it? You've got a vid. You you've got a uh, a long wait, and you you didn't take enough oil. I go down here to the to the children's room. Carol Laws, she's teaching these children down there on Wednesday night. She teaches some things about Jewish culture, and she does a very uh, wonderful job. And uh, I've gone in there and, and I. I saw a lamp in there, and I asked her if I could borrow it tonight for an illustration. She said, yes. And this is the lamp that they would have used, something very similar to this. And you can see they put the oil in here, and here was the wick. And we understand that this is a parable and has a a very spiritual meaning, but I think about those people that might have been around when Jesus was teaching this, and he's talking about this lamp here, and he says in this parable, the wise had the lamp, and they had the oil, and they brought a they brought a uh, uh, an extra supply of oil. And then just didn't look at this. You could see you'd need that, wouldn't you? That doesn't look like it'd burn very long. And the unwise brought just the lamp and the oil that it had in it. And so I just I just thought that would make a good illustration. These these don't hold much oil, and you would need a lot of oil with that in the literal sense of oil and lamps. Verse four it says, But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. Verse five, I mean verse four. Verse five, the A part, but while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Well, why did he delay? Well, first Peter three nine talks about that God's not willing that any should perish in his he's long suffering, and he he's waiting, he's waiting for all to come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in the literal sense, the uh, the reason that the the uh, the reason that the the bridegroom delayed was, you know, I, I said in the literal sense, in, in the figurative sense, we just talked about why he would delay, and it's waiting on others to come around is why he would have delayed, and so it says, you know, on that on that delay, though, I want to say this: every generation from that time on, I kind of referred to it earlier, every generation, for some reason, thinks the Lord's going to come in that generation. And I think the reason they do is because we see the wickedness of the world. On one hand, we see we see the, the righteous living, how it, how it blesses us, how it's good. And then on the other hand, we see wickedness around it. And we, and we all say this, I do, and I'm, I'm sure you do. How long is God going to permit, you know, put up with this? How long will he uh, is this going to be permissible to stand? And so, a lot of generations think that, and that's healthy too. And I'm going to tell you why. Because if you didn't think he would come in your generation, it might affect your, it might affect the way you live your life. Certainly, in the Bible, we see and Paul has to deal with it in First Thessalonians. Those people had, some people had just sat down and and just decided they would stop. And you know, the Lord's coming. Why do why do anything else? And, Of course, he he uh, admonishes them on that and tells them. That Every generation seems to think that the, uh, that the Lord is going to come in their lifetime. Of course, we've looked at some verses that indicate in chapter 24 that that may not be just overnight. That may not happen. That's the reason we need to be faithful. How long? Unto death. All the way. In the B part, it says that they slumbered and they slept. In this literal sense, they, they're, you know, they're waiting for a wedding. And he's coming, he's coming, they get tired and they get sleepy and they go to sleep. But in the sense of this parable, what's going on? They die. We may die waiting, right? It uh, probably will happen. There will only be one generation that will be alive when the Lord comes. And it it, uh, it probably won't be us. It could be. It could come tomorrow. It would be a day like yesterday. So there it is. He could come at any time. We must be ready. He may tarry another thousand years. I can't imagine that, but it may be. As long as men live on this earth and obey God and... Uh, Keep trying. We know that God's willing to wait on them, but we don't know. It could happen. He has set a day. There is a day set in in time. An appointment will be made by all, and that will be that day. Let's look in verse 6. It says, A midnight cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming, and go out to meet him. That great day came. Here it is. He's he's arrived, and he's here. Then those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps. Verse 7. And uh, the, I want to talk about that lamp. We looked at it a while ago. There's a lamp and there's oil. And you know, there's things that people will, commentators will differ on this, but it seems like to me this is it. The lamp is our faith. We all have faith. And they had faith. They were in the kingdom. And they all had their lamps. It represents faith. But the oil represented something else. It was the oil represented their deeds their works, the things that we did. You know, if we just say, I believe, and let it go with that, that's just faith only, and we know what the Bible says about faith only. And so they had oil. I mean, they had their lamps. They all had their belief. They all had faith, but they didn't have their, uh, they didn't have, the oil represents they didn't have the works. You know, uh, a philosophical faith is worthless. And, you know, I've had times where I thought like that. You know, I know what's right. I can quote you the scripture. I can tell you where you can go look and find that answer when I was younger. But was I carrying it out in my life? No, no. It was I truly suffered from a philosophical faith. I was glad that I knew, glad I knew where the answers were, but I wasn't applying them to my life. And uh, that's not going to cut it. James uh, 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself I'm going to turn to James and you can if you want to. I want to read one other passage in James and it's in uh, it's in uh, James 2 starting in verse 14. It says, what does it profit, my brethren? if someone says he has faith, notice they all had faith. We're talking about faith and all. What does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute for daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, is, uh, if it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, "Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness." And he was called the friend of God. You see, then a man is justified by works, and not by faith only. The two go hand in hand. Faith is something that we obtain in believing in Jesus Christ, and then we have a whole ordinances of things to do to keep His commandments. And He tells and He tells us that they're not that they're not grievous either. Well, they're wanting, they're asking something that. People are going to want, is it hot in here, or is it just me? Boy, I am sweating. I'm sorry. Um, They're wanting them to share their all. You know what they're saying, really? Give me your deeds. Give me your work. Give me the things that you've spent a lifetime doing. Give me that. Can that be transferred? It can. not It can. You know, we would love, you know, I, I used to hear there was a guy, When I was a little boy and he used to pray and he would always, he would always think when he, in his prayers, he would, he would always thank the people that were represented here. And I asked him when I got a little older, what do you mean about, well, you know, there's this man here and he represents his whole family. That's not here. They're not here. They're at home. They're off doing whatever, but because he's blood kin to them, he represents them, but he doesn't, we can't transfer our works. We can't transfer our deeds. And uh, we can teach people to be faithful, but all that is something they have to obtain on their own, as Christ has directed us all to do. All right, let me go back to Matthew twenty-five, and it says there, in verse nine. But the wise answered, saying, "No, lest there should not be enough for us. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself." Well, in the in the in the business of buying all, that's possible, isn't it? But in the business of uh, of doing the works that God has instructed us to do after death, it's not going to happen, is it? It is, alas, it is too late, isn't it? There is a time when we can, there's a time to work, there's a time when the sun shines, and then there's a time when night comes. And so they, in this parable, they sadly tell them, "He said, we don't have enough to spare. We need all that we've got. And if you need more, you need to go where, where that can be obtained. Of course, it's too late for them. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. And the scariest part of this is what? They were in the kingdom of God. They had been taught, they had obeyed, they understood, but they did nothing. They did nothing except that they believed. And they believe only. We looked earlier in James, and I wonder when people say that faith only, because a faith only belief sounds wonderful if it would work. I believe, and that's all I ever have to do is just believe. I don't have to do anything. Well, logically, that doesn't even make sense, does it? It really does. It doesn't make sense. But this whole world, uh, the Christian world, a lot of the uh the Christian world believes that. Though that they believe in Christ, that's all they have to do, and, and everything else will be okay. But, of course, we see in this parable that is not the case, is it? In verse 11, and I think about, I think about that, you know, the, if you read the Genesis account, it says God said that he, he told Noah to load up, get his family, get in the ark, but who would shut the door? He would shut the door. God would shut the door on the ark, and he did. And I look at verse 11. It says, afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. I can just see them beating on that door. They should have been in there. They should have already been in there. should have been prepared. But they were beating on that door, and they're wanting to come in, too. And verse 12 says, he answered, I don't know you. Those would be the hardest words a person could hear ever, ever. That would be something that would echo in your mind throughout eternity. I never knew you. I never knew you. And uh, so the, so the, uh, the conclusion is what? Stay ready. Stay as ready as you can. Well, this is a short lesson. It's just a lesson to encourage our children. I want to encourage them to stay ready and stay faithful and listen to me you know we think about and we we sniffle sometimes at the thought that you're going off to college or you're going off to uh, this place or that but really you know we we live in modern times we got telephones and text and and we can uh fly and travel and go see you and and you know it's not as sad to me or i, I wouldn't think it's as sad i had children that the you know, empty nest that grew up and left home but still you stay in touch they're they're close and we, and we can keep in touch but you know we get this idea that you're going to go off, and this is the sad part. You're going to go off, but we, but we can still call you or, or come see you or talk to you, whatever. But what this part has never changed. You are going to leave and, and, and find your way in line. But the deal is, here's something that's going to happen. It doesn't matter how many plane uh, plane rides or, or, or uh, car um, um, arrivals we make. here's what's really is still going to happen. There will be a severance somewhat of you and your parents because you're fixing to do something that you've never done before, and you're going to start making your own decisions. And you're going to start doing things that are wise or foolish on your own. You've had your parents. You've had the Word of God to teach you. But sooner or later, we're all like all little birds. We're going to fly on our own, aren't we? And that's the sad part. That's the part from a parent's standpoint that kind of gets you. You know, you think, well, I won't be telling them what to do anymore, and they won't be asking me as much, And but that's the natural process. I went through it, you went through it, and your children will go through it, and that's all right. But the thing is, some kids, they just, uh, I wasn't one of them either. You know, they, they say, your parents say, don't do this, and they're like, that's a good idea. A good idea. My parents said, never do it, so I won't do that. Well, I wasn't that type, you know, and maybe you weren't either. Every now and then they say, don't do something. I think, well, I am going to do it. I'm going to at least give it a whirl. And then there it goes, doesn't it? Be wise. Don't be, uh, don't be foolish. And we've looked at that. Now then, I'm going to run these things down very quickly, and then we'll have an invitation. That's the lesson. The kingdom of heaven, the church. The bridegroom, Christ. The midnight arrival, the second coming of Christ. The virgins were church members. The wise were what? prepared. The foolish were what? Unprepared. The lamps are our faith. All are our good deeds, our obedience to God's commandments. The sleep of the virgins was dead. The tearing of the bridegroom was delayed in his second coming, being merciful and delaying. The midnight cry was the call of judgment. It's coming. There is going to be a judgment day. Refusal to share of the all means that merits cannot be transferred. Uh, exclusion of the foolish, the rejection of the unprepared, the shut door, the impossibility of the last minute preparation. We don't want to be part of that. Well, in Matthew eleven twenty five, Jesus says this Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, we've even got a song like that. And doesn't that flow well when when we read it? But, you know, there's a lot in that. Learn of me. How do we learn of Jesus? That's those deeds. That's those merits. That's those things that that, uh, we have such instruction in the Bible. Paul instructed us. James instructed us. The Lord instructs. us. Remember what he said in Matthew 28? Go into all the world and Teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. You know, that's, it's a continuous thing. We're to learn. We're to uh, apply. And it makes a difference in our life. And it makes us prepared. And he says to take his yoke upon you. You know, if you don't have his yoke on you, you're going to have a yoke. You may have the yoke of sin, the yoke of this world. You don't want it. But you're wearing a yoke. You're going to serve someone. like We are like beast of the uh, beast of burden. We're not free agents. We're not free to do and say and and come and go because we didn't create ourselves. We're not God. We're created, aren't we? So we're going to wear a yoke of ownership. You can wear the yoke of ownership of Christ, which is a a good yoke to wear. He's meek, and he's lowly lowly at heart, and he's humble. And and it's not grievous. It's a good yoke to wear. Or you can wear the yoke of sin. You can wear the yoke of this world. We know where that ends, doesn't it? In utter darkness. Well, there's the invitation. There's the lesson. Now, there may be some here tonight that have never obeyed God. That puts you in a, a different category altogether. These foolish virgins were at least in the kingdom of God, they at least had an opportunity. They didn't prepare themselves and they paid the price for it. But if you're not in the kingdom of God, you, you, you're not even that far, and it shouldn't be that way. We have all the promises of eternity. All the promises of forgiveness in heaven. He asks that we repent of our sins. We all know that we have them. You know, John says we sin, and there's different phases. Some sins go all the way and become. Uh, uh, the, he said, "Don't even pray for those type of sins because you're you're uh, you're dying in those sins." James says that sin, when it's full blown, it leads to death. And we have to have those sins removed from us, and they have to be forgiven and washed away. And we can do that by repenting of the sins, confessing his name. And Jesus is the one that can take care of your sins, and he says to be washed in the water of baptism, have those sins washed away. And in doing so, you rise up a new creation and walk in that uh, newness of life. We, if we can help you tonight with that, we would love to, if we can help you in any way, come together as we stand and as we sing.